Welcome back to Meet Us in Paris podcast, the podcast that's all about things travel, be it destinations, food, having an amazing time, or whatever to pack on your next trip. Hi, I'm Tanya, and with me is our magnif- in our magnificent yacht is Kristen. Hello. Hello. I'm on a boat. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> fabulous. I wish. Yeah. I am getting very motion sick too, so it's dangerous. Okay. We'll, we'll still. Okay. <laughs> and somewhere out back skeet shooting is in. Skeet shooting. Thank you. <laughs> I think this shotgun is filled with blanks because I'm hitting absolutely nothing out. These these clay pigeons are going right into the ocean. <laughs> God, I didn't know what that was, so thank you for clarifying that. Anyway, so today we have a fun topic, customs from around the world. So call them what you want, customs, traditions. A big part of travel is learning about the world we go into and the people who live there. And what better way to bond with the people there, the locals, than learning about their customs. And what may seem odd to us, or to many, having like a festival to throw tomatoes, a nationwide water fight, or chasing a cheese down a hill. Um, they're common <laughs> it's come up more than once, that cheese rolling. You know, we keep coming up with that. I think we all but, want to do that. <laughs> but it's so amazing. It's so amazing, right? <laughs> Who wouldn't want to roll down, what is it, a cheese down a hill? Anyway, so these are all like local festivities and activities that are super rich and fun in history and heritage of each of these places. And so to learn about these traditions and the people, um, we're having this podcast in, let's see, that's it. So no, for today, we're highlighting nine unusual traditions and customs from around the world or festivals to help us understand our fellow earth inhabitants and maybe, just maybe, learn more about yourself ourselves. Now, and speaking about learning, if you want to be the best at what you do professionally, consider taking a course from our sponsor. At 21, Steve Jobs founds Apple Computer. Colonel Sanders is 62 when his first KFC franchise opens. Success can come at any age. Need help jumpstarting your success? With thousands of courses and 60-plus certificate programs, UCI Division of Continuing Education can help. Courses are offered every quarter, so start today at ce.uci.edu forward slash amazing. All right. So the very, very first one that I own, a tradition I'm going to talk about is actually one that we take, we actually take part of in North America. And the reason why I chose this, it's very, very common, is that no one knows the origins of it. And it's the Tooth Fairy. Have you you ever thought about this? It's just like when you, it's like, oh, everyone does the Tooth Fairy. When you're a kid, you stick the tooth underneath the pillow and then five bucks or a quarter comes out, depending on how old you are. When I was growing up, it was a quarter. Now kids are getting $5 bills. Actually, I know some kids are getting like $20 bills, depending on where you live. And Holy geez. (laughs) I never thought about it. I just wanted the money. Yeah. Right. But yeah. let, let's think. Let's think about this. This is the weirdest thing ever. If you're, if if let's say you're Asian, you would go, "What the heck is that?" Right. <laughs> so I mean, and have you know, like we know the origin. Well, actually, do we know the origin of the Easter Bunny? Uh, no, but in France, it's a flying bell, which is weird. Okay, oh, no. so okay, we can do all kinds of these. Yeah. 
so yeah, so there's a ton of them, but this one I thought was something that's so common yet so unusual. I should talk about it. So the research I came I came up with is that there's a couple things. Is that in the past, um, there in Northern Europe there was a tradition. Um, it was kind of a Nordic uh, tradition where um, children's teeth and other articles belonging to children were supposed to bring good luck in battle, and they hung their kid like their hopefully um baby teeth around their necks when they went into battle wow Um, yeah so another one is in england um when their baby teeth came out what you would do is that it was tradition to and this is the middle ages by the way is you burn your baby's teeth in order to save your kid from hardship in the afterlife and then also the Vikings paid children for their teeth. Fear witches, um, um, fear witches was another reason to bury, burn or bury teeth. So teeth have had a lot of religious kind of um, things over the years. However, the phenomena in uh, the Western culture is a little bit newer. Um, they, they believe it came from an old British custom. Um, it, giving fairy coins to servant girls when they slept, but it didn't involve teeth. Um, There's also an Irish folk tradition, which includes uh, changelings and that a tooth placed near a sleeping child could, uh, could fool a bad spirit in thinking, Oh, there's a kid's tooth and lead him away from the, the, the child. Uh, but the one in North America is they believe it may have come from a book called La Bonne Petite Souris. I'm, I'm terrible at French. Um, but in the story, a good queen is imprisoned by a bad king and enlists a mouse to help out with the predicament. And the mouse turns out to be a fairy who frees a uh, queen and knocks out a king's teeth. Uh <laughs> I mean, they're they're all over the place, but no one has a very very specific tooth fairy story. Um, there was a story about the tooth fairy in 1949. Um, also, the but the reference to the tooth fairy, the World Book Encyclopedia, didn't come about until 1979. So it's it's a, it's kind of a really strange one. I think I haven't uh, actually. The research kind of says. We still don't know. <laughs> but I just thought it was such a strange um, tooth fairy. And the one thing I have not been able to find is apparently the Chicago Tribune wrote a whole story on the tooth fairy and its origins. But they, you know, you can't find it on the Internet. So once again, I think the tooth fairy is my number one weirdo tradition um, when it comes to traditions around the world. And there's a lot of strange traditions. Yeah, there are. And, you know, now that, like, I'm thinking about it, it totally makes sense because you have to imagine some of these, like, first humans when your teeth are falling out is probably really scary and weird. And it's a, like, it happens to all humans and and you have to find a way to explain it or make it a palatable thing. Like, it's something that makes sense that everyone would have a story about what's going on and what happens to them and what you do with them. Right. If that makes sense. But I never really considered it before. So it's interesting. So All thank right. you for that. <laughs> so I'm okay. next, right? Yep. Okay, I have one. And it's also local, I guess, local to the U.S. And a colleague mm. just came back from Pittsburgh. And she always talks about French fries on sandwiches and salads. 
So I don't know if um, either of you have, have been or do this, but I've never seen it. And so it's only in a, a certain part of Pittsburgh and no matter what, they will order fries and put it inside the sandwich and then put fries on salads. And it's supposed to be called the authentic Piss- Pittsburgh salad. Um, and then, well, so I started to look into like, why? yeah, it's, um, so during the steel industries post-war era, when all the immigration, like peak of immigration was happening, it was full of Italians and Greeks and Syrians, like all kinds of different people who brought their customs of food and languages. So, you know, sometimes there wasn't enough to eat. So a lot of that was, let's put potatoes in there to fill them up. <laughs> so oh. it just became something that it's a filler. But in this small community of people, it just became a custom. Um, but what Interesting. I thought, I know, isn't it cool? I think, I mean, I love potatoes. So, and who doesn't want French fries on everything? Um, I did find there's a, a gentleman at, um, oh, I think I didn't write the name down. A documentarian filmmaker who does Pittsburgh history on food. And I love looking at food history. So um, there's lots of different like kind of uh, documentaries out there about that. But the thing I thought was really funny was that the steelworkers from that era um, grew up, had kids. And now when they retired, they kept saying like uh, swear words in Polish, Italian and and other languages. So that's come down into it. And it's tied to that era um, of not having enough money. <laughs> and anyway, so that to me was kind of a cool thing because she talks about it so much. Uh, and I've seen her put it on her on her food. Can I can I throw two stories to go with yes. this? Okay. Go. First of all, I lived in Pittsburgh for mm, like, like a year, essentially. Okay. Did you see French fries? Um, so... They, they put french fries on everything there's actually okay. something called um oh it's like a pittsburgh pittsburgher sandwich or something along those mm-hmm. lines and essentially what they do is they put coleslaw and um french fries on a burger or uh, beef patty yeah so they put the so that's so like i had a girlfriend there she totally went Oh, you had to try this. And it's like, what the heck is this? So that's number one. And talking about, you know, you're talking about it's a hardship kind of meal. Right. They put um, French fries on the salad to make the salad go further. Yes. Um, In Taiwan, there is something where, okay, so typically what you do is you take rice, they make rice gruel or rice porridge. You cook down rice until it's almost like an oatmeal consistency. But at one point, there was such a shortage of rice. What they would do to extend it is they would cut up little tiny pieces of yam that are, you know, like quarter size. And they would cook it with the rice so they didn't have to use so much rice. But you got that filling and you mm-hmm. feeling, and then also you got the calories. But, but now, yeah, you still can, you can get it locally, but um, in, in uh, Orange County, but but people liked it so much, even after hardship, you still can go get rice porridge with yams in it. It's become now a tradition. So that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. So I love food and customs and stuff like that. I know. A, you okay. know what? When um, when I was in France, the they had, um, I don't know if it was regional or all of France, but they would, if you were to get like, they don't really do burritos, but kebabs. And they would have, like, the American. It would be called, like, 
l'américaine and it would have french fries stuffed into it and we were always like what like we don't do this and we were just like they probably just figure americans just you know eat so gluttonous just throw anything you can in there and they'll love it um but now i'm like maybe someone from pittsburgh went out there and showed them that they do this and like oh it's the american version like i just assumed they were almost like mocking us like here you fat americans like have more (laughs) a little bit of both (laughs) right could have been yeah totally Let's see. And is this now? It's Kristen. Do you have better? Or was that your story? No, no, no. I was just commenting on yours. <laughs> I have so many that I'm oh, trying good. to decide which one to talk about. Um, oh, so this is going to be twelve, not nine. Maybe. Okay. Cool. I don't know. So I tried to, when I was like researching, I feel like you get a lot of the same like heavy hits that have like all the same information. So I was like trying to dig a little deeper. Mm -hmm. Um, But this one was actually something that was coming up everywhere, but I still really find it super interesting. So you guys might've seen this, but in Switzerland, they have something that they call honesty shopping. Did you guys see this? No, that sounds dangerous. No, and it, it sounds like something that probably only works in these little remote Swiss Alp villages, because um, this is where it's happened. So it says that there are tiny little shops in the middle of the Swiss Alps. Um, they share the idealism of the society in the form of honesty shops. So these little shops allow you to buy fresh cheese, milk, bread, honey, and butter. And there's nobody in the shop to watch you take anything, get anything, any of it, because it's actually like shops that are run by farmers and they're out there taking care of the animals and running the farm. So all you do is you go go in, take what you want, and you leave your money in a little basket. They trust you. It's honesty. And and what it says is, what's amazing is that this form of consumer trust results in incredible customer loyalty and honesty among the communities. I love that. I know. I wish wish something like that would work here. I don't think it would. But it does (laughs) remind me, I feel like I have read where they do studies where, you know, they have some of those restaurants that's like pay what you wish. Or anytime there is something that is pay what you wish. Um, people tend to be more generous, generous than yeah. otherwise. Yeah. So I almost wonder if it'd be worth trying. Like, okay, someone may occasionally steal a thing of milk, but if somebody's like otherwise overpaying for their milk because they just want to or feel that's what it's worth, like maybe it would even out in the end. I've actually I'm not willing to try it with my stuff, but maybe like if a politician or someone wants to take that idea and run with it, like I'd be interested to see. Yeah, I've actually hard. seen that in Ohio. Oh, really? So, like, if you're driving through the countryside in Ohio between the major cities, sometimes you'll go through a small agricultural town and stuff like that. And then um, you'll see, like, a stand, and it's, like, cherry. Ah, not cherries. They don't have cherries there. But, like, some kind <laughs> of local produce. Yeah. And you'll see a stand. And the stand will be filled with local produce. And it's just, like, a box in the honor so, system like that you a- pay pay your pay for it. Like a small town, just like, like what Kristen's saying. And that's why probably it works. Yeah. And it's, it's just like a, yeah, it's like a small town. And then, you know, like on a, the, probably the biggest street in the town, like you're going from one city to another and you just pass by park, throw a couple dollars in. Get a snack. Get a snack and take it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I do say it's not the same thing, but you probably, if you ever see those little mini libraries on the street. Yeah. And it's like take a book, leave a boot. Those are yep. never like totally empty. People do seem to be honest about those. Or yeah. um, 
uh, in New York, they would do things with that for like food that people would set out, um, even some perishables if they were still good. But the idea wasn't that you were buying them. It would be like, hey, if you need bread, here's bread to take kind of thing. Yeah. So a little bit different, but I guess those do exist on some level here. But I'd right. like to go to the one in Switzerland. Yes. That's what I <laughs> That sounds good. That's what I Let's see. Okay. Now, I guess it's me again. I, I have. Zen, no? Oh, is it Zen? I'm sorry. Oh, no. It's me. Okay. Okay. It's Zen. So <laughs> I'm going to put this, I'm going to do this in the most immature way that I can. But it is the Kanamara Masuri Tokyo PP Festival. Ah, uh, yes. You I've know I had to do this board. one. Of course. <laughs> I mean, this is one that shows up on all the lists, but it, the Kanamari Matsuri Festival is the Festival of the Steel Phallus. And every year they hold a festival each spring at the Kana, Kanayama Shrine um, in Kawasaki, Japan. And it depends on the year, you know, sometimes on the first day of April and it, it moves about. But they have this huge festival where they have a parade and they have floats of big male organs. And every you see these pictures all over the place. And I just like that is at first you're like laughing because, you know, there's a schoolboy in all of us. But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, why? What is this? You know, so. Under, Please tell us. <laughs> under further investigation, it uh -huh. deals with a Shinto temple. And if you know about Shintoism, I'm not very, very conversant on it. But essentially, they believe that everything has is a it's a religion where they believe everything has like a life spirit in it. So like the earth has a life spirit, trees have a life spirit. So it's that type of religion. And um, what they do is they have um, people came there and what this is dedicated to is for married couples to ensure that they have children. Ah. It helps. It's, it's like a, um, it was celebrated by blacksmiths and stuff like that, but yeah. it's trying, it's a, it's to help bless um, for smooth uh, marital relationships. And then also the blessing that the family will have children. And it's grown over the years. However, it's a newer festival. My understanding, it started in the late 60s, like 69. But also, they've um, combined with other organizations. And they do uh, all lots of the uh, money that comes. Because actually, people, you know, come on. If I have a chance, I'm going to go. So a lot of tourists <laughs> and people come to see it. But a lot of the money goes to HIV research. Oh, so they, they do this kind of um, also this type of thing as well. So I just thought that was a really, really interesting festival. Go look it up on the Internet. Take a look at some pictures. You know, chuckle a little bit at the same time. Okay. Um, Can I awesome. throw one in that is similar to that that I almost wanted to talk about? Sure. And it, it kind of it. just ties in. Let me. Okay. In Russia, 
September 12th is known as the day of conception. So um, Russia has <laughs> Russia has declining birth rates, an unequal proportion of women to men, and an alarmingly short male lifespan. So to help solve this issue, the Russian government instituted a public holiday on September 12th to give couples time off from work to procreate. <laughs> Prizes awesome. are given out to successful parents whose babies are born approximately nine months later. That's a great celebration. I have to wonder why they chose September 12th. I don't know. But it's also like they must, it must help to know when to really stock up on staff at the hospitals that, you know, in nine months, we're going to have a lot of people in the like maternity ward well, or what something. What if they're not ovulating? What if, you know, this... I don't know. Well, the ones who are, are going to be lucky and get the prize, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's like, there's a little genetics going, like biology right, needed to, to work properly. Right. But it should yeah. be a month. I don't know. Yeah, you should get a whole month off. You should get a whole month. Oh, yeah, exactly. Not a day. It has to be a whole month. (laughs) Okay, and then it says those who give birth on June 12th, which is nine months after, which is Russia Day, will get a prize. So that's why they probably chose nine months before Russia Day. Oh, that's it. Uh Interesting. How I've never heard of that. That that's worth investigating. Just <laughs> anyways, that kind of reminded me of it, and I thought that was interesting too. Very cool. Anyways, I love it. Sorry. Yes. All right. Um, yeah, Tanya's up. <laughs> sorry. Bernard. Okay. No, that was good. That was a good. Good. Um, I don't think this mine's a segue, but here goes. So I'm back on food again, and um, so like I'm food. doing my home country, Colombia, hot chocolate with cheese at the bottom. What? what? <laughs> okay, there's a lot of different kind of cheeses. Tell me what kind of cheese. So it um it's the like I think the comparison would be like mozzarella, um, huh. queso fresco. It, it it melts. Oh, okay. So what happens is um when you visit Colombia, most of the you'll see it in the streets anywhere you go, chocolate with cheese. So it's at the bottom in steaming cups with local cheese, and it's like the perfect combination between sweet and salty. And what happens is it's a very mountainous country. So some places are really cold. So that's, you know, hot chocolate, but Colombia is one of the largest exporters of uh, cocoa beans. So it's one of the most consumed foods in the entire country. And so for example, the capital of of Bogota is 8,000 feet up sea level. So um, it's, it's cold. It can have its moment. So now, what they do is um, it's chocolate little bars and then the bars, special kind of chocolates uh, with cloves and cinnamon already in there. And some are sweetened, most are not, but um, it, you can also add like a big helping of like brown sugar. Um, it's called panela. And then you, the, the, I guess the point is, is to get it, put it into aluminum big pot. You don't do this like the restaurant will do it. Um, and then whisk it with this wooden kind of uh big stick that has air i don't know how to describe it and in the old times they would say that the chocolate had to be boiled three times before serving or something would happen to you but then you you that's kind of just like a meal again for hardship it's hearty it's hot you have cheese and you sort of get filled up and one of the things i found that how this came to be there's several stories but one is that there was one person eating like a bread with it, the uh, cheese bread, kind of like the ones have you had them in from Brazil and the oh, in that the, queso, que, uh-huh. queria uh-huh. de pau, uh-huh. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it's called either, but that one. <laughs> and so it fell into the into the hot coffee, a uh, hot chocolate, and that's how this came to be. That's kind of one of the stories. And there's a very similar. So I buy the Brazilian pan de queso because it's so similar to something we have. So I can mm. kind of see that happening. But it's really fun when someone from not from Colombia goes and you don't tell them and then they have cheese at the bottom and it confuses them. But it is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so that was just something that's very common. And and like, what do you mean you don't have, you know, cheese in your chocolate? Everything right. cheese in your chocolate. So anyway, so that was a, a tradition that's just kind of close to my heart. Can, can you? Before we stop, can you tell us how that is consumed? I mean, is it stirred until it's like frothy? It- yeah. So you get like warm milk or, or 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 water, depending, and then you break up the little squares. So you do this when you're little too, and right. then you know this starts to boil, and you you put like this this uh, it's kind of like a whisk a wooden whisk and um you move it in your hands to i'm I'm making the gesture but you can't see me um of how you would (laughs) you would you would kind of whisk it and then it gets kind of bubbly and foamy again you you make sure it boils three times and then it's melted like you know it's all oh wow then you put it in the in the mug a big big mug and then you throw in the cheese cut up in little pieces and then you drink it and then you can either get a piece of bread or sometimes they get like uh, cinnamon sticks to bring up the cheese and you eat it at the same time so it's, it's quite messy but it's yummy <laughs> nice so that's that now i want some hot even though it's like summer i still now i want some so i also have one about food <laughs> i feel like i just <laughs> been like right on your guys's tail um so the big tradition, I think, for a lot of people during New Year's is money. So, um, yeah. you know, a lot of Asian cultures, you do it in the red envelopes. People get money, all that. Well, um, Bolivia, who we actually talked about last week because of some of their, their Bolivia Day um, tradition. <laughs> I wanted to choose this so we could learn more about them. They actually bake money into pastries and treats and it's a new year's tradition um so they they bake money into sweet pastries and cakes on new year's eve um and a lot of the bakeries across the country take part in this and those who find a coin in their cake can look forward to plenty of good luck in the new year so i thought that was fun and i've actually been super into baking lately i've been baking all of my problems away and i feel like that would be a fun thing but you would obviously have to probably warn people that that's a possibility and i would probably need to get like a big silver dollar so people don't choke on dimes or something like that but um i thought that was really fun that is interesting i'd never heard of that either yeah that's like a new way to you know share the wealth and it also reminds me of like the I don't remember what they're called. The King's Cake? Where you yeah. Hide the little, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The ground kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That you're not allowed to make anymore? Why not? Why not? Uh, <laughs> actually, it's it's illegal to sell commercially baked goods with non-edible items on the inside of them. Oh, so dear. They're choking, they're so, choking hazards. Kristen, so, don't, don't oh, sip yeah. the bread that you make now, then. Yeah. Just keep it for your own. Yeah. So the thing is, what if that, I put in like a chocolate coin? <laughs> so it's I still think, edible. <laughs> just like, see, something like that's fine. But I think because you know the kids yeah, cake has a ba- like a plastic baby in there or something like right. that, and 
So the thing is, that's illegal, but I think you can find them on occasion, but they cannot be commercially made anymore. But people make them at home all the time, so. Now all you right. Know. I'll okay. do it just not commercially, but just privately for my yes. friends. You, you can okay. share with us. We're, we're happy to okay. take all right. <laughs> Just yeah, you take small, make... careful bites. Okay. Yeah, you could you could say you could sell it not for consumption, only for viewing, only to look at, like a kind of like a fruit cake. Oh you know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no one's, no eating, one's that. eating a fruit cake exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks. My next one huh? doesn't have a name. Um, okay. So I'll tell you about the tradition. Apparently. In Denmark, if you're still single at 25, oh god, people will actually. Um, it's funny they'll actually you get covered. They all your friends and family will completely douse you in cinnamon. Is that to attract a mate? <laughs> no, there's a, there's actually a longer story to this. But they'll they'll even tie you to a chair and then they completely douse. I mean, like I'm talking like probably cubic feet allergic. Of, Kind of I mean, like uh-huh. tremendous amounts of cinnamon, and um, so it's baked. It actually dates back, dates back hundreds of years. Apparently, spice salesmen would—they uh, were traveling spice salesmen, and they would travel from city to city to city. And because they're always traveling, they were never able to start a family. And this is kind of a—you know. It's supposed to be a silly thing. Apparently, they have a lot of fun. If you Google like um, Denmark twenty five and cinnamon, you'll see all these guys that are wearing goggles and they're completely <laughs> covered in in like cinnamon. And the other part is that you know to make you know to, to make it even worse, they'll actually put a little water on it so it actually turns into a, like a concrete and kind of sticks to you. They'll even add eggs, and it, it's kind of a fun tradition. They're not really. It's not teasing you is just like a fun thing to do however this actually gets worse (laughs) oh Oh Uh yeah how because at 25 it's cinnamon (laughs) however if you make it to 30 it becomes black pepper that's so that's a really big incentive to get married yeah 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 so um well i would have gone through both of those because i didn't get married till after 30 so that's rude. Me too. Oh yeah, I I I didn't get married till after thirty two. Yeah. So um, but it, but the thing is, it's not really judging because the average age of men getting married in Denmark apparently is thirty four and a half, and women is thirty two. So, so apparently they up. all go through this ritual. But it, it's more of a it's more like a it, you have an excuse to play a prank on your friends, friends right. and family. So well, this reminds me of a story. Um, I don't know. How, how it came to be but here it goes so I'm married to someone from Argentina and I remember seeing his pictures graduating from college and he has real pictures um, and, and <laughs> yeah, they, photographs, they're, right? they're not digital negative. they're like real pictures I'm funny um, and they're he's covered in, in flour completely and I'm like what is that so when people graduate from college in Argentina they throw water and then flour that's what they do I don't know why and then that person looks like crap the whole entire time they're celebrating and then so this recently this last year when we went for christmas we went early enough and um people graduate in november that's the end of their school year so all the high school kids were out honking that they graduated 
and there is a big fight of flour and water. Same thing. So I don't know where it's coming from, but you just made me remind with me of that custom of like I don't want to be thrown like water and <laughs> flour on the day I finally made a graduation, right? Right. Um, but it's it's just kind of pranks, yeah, that you play on on your friends and. Anyway, so to each his own. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, then I'm next. Okay. So um, it's, it's not about food. It's about music this time. <laughs> okay. So Puerto Rico. And as you remember, I, I lived in Puerto Rico for till I was like nine. And then I would fly back and forth. And one of the customs um, is to clap and sing when the airplane lands. And it's because you're happy that you rise safely and you're thankful. So, you know, you grow up and you think that's what everybody does. And, and they don't. <laughs> and, they don't. Um, no, <laughs> it's really funny. Cause, and then you still go to uh, some Latin American countries and a few people will do it. And it's like, yeah, no, no one does that anymore. But, um, a friend of mine just went to Puerto Rico for Christmas for the holidays. And they, and sure enough, again, they landed, they applauded. And they started singing, and as soon as the the plane really like stopped, they all started dancing. And what happens oh. is because it's holiday, it's you know party time. Then um, that's something that is just like now a tradition that during the holiday time, because everybody comes back to the island or you're going to see your loved ones, then you have this kind of mini party inside the plane, and even like the tourists will join in, even though they're like, "What's going on?" And JetBlue, um, when they have like holiday time. And there's usually a lot of um, salsa festivals or music festivals, and they have a star or a celebrity. They'll arrange it. So that's the person who, who initiates the singing and the clapping when it lands. So that, I just thought that was really cool. Oh, that's hysterical. You know, it's just like if you don't never seen it. And I talk to people. I'm like, no, I've never seen that. But, yeah, you dance. That happened to me when I was we were flying to Colombia one time from here to Colombia, and there was a salsa band. And we landed and they started playing. It was just nuts. So anyway, dancing. Some people really judge those people. <laughs> Are you one of them? <laughs> now I am. Now I am, yes. Uh, it's Quite hilarious. Honestly. To me, it's kind of like vacation started. Let's go. So You know, that's probably different when it when it, you're going somewhere fun and islandy and vacationing like that. Right, yeah. Right. But if you're flying to freaking Pittsburgh, it's like just get me off the plane. Yeah, don't none of this applause and clapping. <laughs> yeah, I don't need any of this. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you want to eat French fries in Pittsburgh, remember. Right. right. <laughs> anyway. Well, that's cute. Yeah, so um I do that. I internally I don't necessarily do it on the plane. Well, this next one, I think a lot of people know. I feel like this fact came up and went kind of viral, um, but I think it's worth repeating. I really love it. Um, this Icelandic tradition um, is people giving Christmas Eve gifts their books. You give yes. a book on Christmas Eve. So that's like the tradition. Um, so this little tidbit about it... Um, 
they, they kind of point out, so we obsess over the eternal question of Christmas gifts. Do we spend tons of money on new technology for our loved ones or just stick with the always saved gift card? Will they read too much into a Fitbit? Blah, blah, blah. Iceland has solved this problem with the Christmas Eve tradition of giving a book. After everyone unwraps the books, they spend the evening reading together. Iceland has preserved the culture of books in this beautiful Christmas custom, which many countries would do well to emulate. And I like that for so many reasons. I'm really starting to be against just the materialism of just feeling like you need to get a certain amount of gifts or that you need to get someone something just to get it for them. And we're all buying all this useless crap. And um, I love reading. I love books. And that just, it's easy. It's not like, what am I going to get this person? It can just be like, what book am I going to get them? What book do I think they like? And even if it's like, you can make it a Kindle book too, right? Um, So that we're not full of all this waste, but I love that. And that's actually something I would love to make a tradition in my own family. And Christmas Eve, what better night is there to like sit by a fire and a tree and just read a book? Yeah, I am. Um, I love reading. I love that idea. I almost, almost um, like said that was one of the ones that I really like. But mm-hmm. I think I like books that I just don't talk about them as much because I'm always talking about them. But that is so cool. Um, I know. Yeah, it really is. In um, when I got married and to my Argentinian family, they don't give gifts, which blew my mind because oh. there's too many people. The only thing you're there to do is bring food and eat it, oh, and that's that's cool. wonderful. It is. They don't do like white elephant because they don't seem to understand. Like <laughs> I tried, it doesn't. They don't get it, and it's like the stress is lifted <laughs> from Christmas. Right. It's beautiful. I- I have a friend who has a group of friends. What they do is that everyone draws a name out of a hat and you have to give one gift to that one particular friend. So it's kind of like like secret Santa. Is that a secret Santa? Oh yeah, Yeah. I guess so. But yeah, yeah. We've done it. Um, another like with, with my friends and, but it has to be under like $10 and so it has to be, you know, either fun or silly or useful, but don't break the bank kind of thing. Right. You know? Oh, cool. Yeah. But books, yeah, that would be, that's a beautiful gift, no matter what. All right. That was it. Are we all done with our customs? Is that it? Yeah. We can Um, go on. I'm out. (laughs) I know. I feel like I could go on. Let me see if there's another one worth mentioning, because I I liked a lot of them. We can Um, come back and do another one if you want. Okay. I have some more. Yeah, yeah. we'll save it. We'll save it. I'm sure we can do another thing on this. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, okay, so with that, that's our Unusual Customs from Around the World podcast. Thank you for tuning in again. If you want more, then check us out on our Facebook or Instagram social media pages where you can find photos of our adventures from around the world, interesting articles, and more. Also, be sure to tune in in the next two weeks. We've got some amazing people, person on the ground, travel reports on Oh, let's see if my pronunciation. Napoli and an Amalfi Coast. Kristen, is that how you say it? That's how I would say it. I don't speak Italian, but sure. <laughs> okay. So Napoli and Amalfi Coast, Bordeaux, France coming up. So those are going to be really good, and we're going to travel in our imagination. <laughs> Yep. And last of all, before we leave, we want to give a big thank you to our sponsor, the University of California, Irvine, Division of Continuing Education, a get big shout out also, which offers only the best continuing professional education. If you need a career boost looking for a new profession, check them out at ce.uci.edu. 
And thanks again for tuning in. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.